It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 181. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. You know, I'm kind of surprised I don't have dreams where I do that intro. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it's the same every week except for the number. Uh, another 180 and maybe we'll get there. There we go. Yep. Yep. 360 is the magic number. Um, let's see. How are things in Denver? I hear you, you alluded to it being sunny and warm. Yeah. A little break here. We're supposed to get snow again tomorrow. So, Yikes. Um, but yeah. So you got to take it when you can. And I've learned that you have to watch the clock this time of year because, you know, if you think, oh, I'll finish some stuff up and then maybe about four o'clock we'll go for a walk. No, forget it. Four o'clock, the sun's it's setting, yep. <laughs> it, temperature's dropping and all that. It's like, you got to do it. Yeah. Early. Yep. Yep. No, I totally understand. Well, fortunately, we've got a little bit of, a little bit of sunshine right now, but it's threatening more rain and it's been rainy and and the, the downside of having short dogs is that they're closer to the rain. <laughs> yes. So... It's I can imagine like, there's more, there are more towels involved when you get home than there are many towels involved. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes. When our, whenever our washer goes on the fritz, it's kind of a major thing. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we've got some things to talk about this week. Um, yep. The from on the, on the tech news side of things. It's been a topic for, gosh, I'd say about a month. I think it's a month ago that I yeah. wrote my first article on it. Um, is of course LastPass, the breach over at LastPass, the password manager that <clears throat> I had been recommending for probably close to a decade now. Um, they've been around for a long time. They uh, they had <laughs> emphasis on the past tense, had a very good reputation, um, and actually solved a very important problem in a very good way. But then they kind of messed up and. Um, uh, you know, their, their network got breached and eventually, finally, um, the, uh, they admitted to some of our encrypted data having been stolen. They still haven't, um, th th their last uh, press release was on December the 22nd, three days before Christmas, um, a notably wonderful time for press releases if you want to like hide the news. Mm. And, um, they haven't said a word since. They haven't been answering questions or anything to the best of my knowledge. One of the biggest questions I have, of course, is, okay, how many people are affected? They've got something like 24 million customers. Was it all of us? Was it some of us? Yeah. Um, you know, all those kinds of things. They have just been um, very, very silent uh, on the uh, uh, on the state of the world. And honestly, the approach that they've taken to announcing this breach, to to remaining silent, to not answering questions is all part of what is contributing to uh, my having pulled the plug actually on uh, on my recommendation. I'm actually producing or uh, will be uh, publishing an article uh, tomorrow as we record this. So basically the same day that this, uh, this, this episode will go out uh, where, yeah, don't, don't use LastPass. Um, if you're thinking about LastPass, don't. If you're using LastPass, uh, don't. Uh, the, the real question is, you know, how quickly do you really need to make the switch? There are a couple of nuances there um, that, uh, you know, play into the, play into it. Um, if you, um, it's weird. Some number of years ago, LastPass actually changed the way that they encrypt your master password. Mm -hmm. They basically upped the encryption. They, they made it stronger to current standards, made it less. Um, uh, so the result would be um, less susceptible to 
brute force encryption or right. decryption. The problem is that they didn't mention it or even encourage people to uh, update their master passwords to take advantage of this improved uh, encryption. Mm. What that means is that many, many people who have been using LastPass for a long time not only have uh, LastPass vaults that have just accumulated stuff over that time, mm. but um, have sh often short and less than secure passwords because LastPass changed the requirements. Um, those folks are at a little bit more risk than the rest of us in the sense that um, in theory, there is a very small chance that their vaults are, are susceptible to brute force attacks. I say in theory, because to the best of my knowledge, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, mm -hmm. We have absolutely zero um, uh, evidence that anybody's actual usernames and passwords or any of that kind of stuff have been uh, fetched from this breach. However, the other part of the breach that's a little bit more concerning is some of the stuff that wasn't actually encrypted, including um, your billing information, not your credit card number, but your name, your address, your email address, uh, your phone number. Um, and most surprising of all, the fact that the URLs included in your vault were not encrypted. So by that, it means that while the hackers don't know your username and password, they do know all the services that you use and they know your name and they know your phone number and they know where you live. And apparently they also know the IP addresses from which you were logging into LastPass. All of that doesn't mean that they can just walk into your account, but it does mean that they can now craft some really well-targeted phishing attempts to yeah. basically get you to turn over um, additional information. Um, again, it's, it's, it's unclear if that's actually happening. Um, and it's also on, I mean, given the, the constant stream of phishing that we are all under, I mean, constantly, um, it's a little bit um, unclear as to, you know, okay, does this mean there's going to be a 1% increase? Does it mean there's going to be a 10% increase? Or mm -hmm. is the number of phishing attacks going to double? Um, are they really going to get that much better um, just because of the information? We don't know. We just There's a lot we don't know. Uh, and as you can imagine, the, the responses from the tech press and tech pundits um, I, I'm reluctant to call myself a pundit, but I definitely have opinions and it has been all over the map. Um, there oh, are yeah. folks who say, yep, you know, yep, that stuff was exposed, but you know what? Your passwords weren't, and it's very unlikely that they ever will be. And mm -hmm. um, it's just not a big deal. And on the other hand, of course, we have, um, you know, the, the sky is falling type scenarios where people are saying, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. Uh, you need to um, dump LastPass immediately and change all of your passwords um, immediately because they're about to all be exposed, which is, of course, also um, not true. So, and from a very pragmatic sense, I, I did an export of my LastPass database um, in preparation for you know what I decided to do. And um, I've got over a thousand entries. 
no, no way am I going to run around to a thousand different sites and change all my passwords, right? I mean, that's just not pragmatic. It's not practical. Uh, I'm just, I, I, that's it just didn't going to happen. And I don't expect people to do that. On the other hand, um, even though I did have, you know, the long, strong, good master password on my vault, I, uh, I did say, you know what? Yeah, you know, I shouldn't have to. It's probably not a big deal, but I'll sleep better if. And I went through and uh, changed the password for all my financial institutions because mm -hmm. that's one of the big targets. Um, so, and my primary email, uh, because once again, email uh, you know, is one way to get at account B is to uh, uh, hack account A where account A is the email account that happens oh, to yeah. be the recovery account for account B. Um, not And on top of that, I've got two-factor authentication turned on for these things anyway, so it's not like I'm at in imminent risk anyway, but um, changing password, it's one of those, it's changing a password is one of those things where you don't need to, in my opinion, you really don't need to, unless you happen to have a very, you know, a short, easy to crack password, um, then yeah, you may want to go to your more important accounts and change the passwords. But Assuming you're doing a halfway decent job with your passwords and your management and so forth, you don't have to change your passwords. That doesn't mean you, you shouldn't, you couldn't, if you want to, if it makes you feel better. Like I said, I didn't have to, but I'll sleep a little bit better at night having changed those passwords in the light of what's going on. So um, it's it's one of those quick things that it's, it's a response to a lot of different questions I get from people. Uh, you know, they ask if they've been hacked or if there's something going on, if it, there's no harm in changing your password. There just is no harm in changing it. So um, so I went through and did that. Now, that being said, um, yeah, I've moved on. I am uh, switched over to 1Password myself. Oh, okay. Um, I did that intentionally. I, I evaluated both 1Password and Bitwarden, uh, both of which get my recommendation, by the way. They're both fine, fine solutions to uh, cloud-based password managers. Um, they... Um, uh, the reason I chose 1Password is actually a purely personal, practical reason, and that is that I also manage password management for an organization, one of the organizations that I volunteer for. And of course, we had settled on LastPass last year. Um, and in moving them to another solution, 1Password has this nice thing where you can actually open multiple vaults at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I can open my personal vault, I can open my organization vault, and they can be two different things that I can use simultaneously, but I don't have to intermingle the two. Um, and that just turned out to be a really, really nice solution, fairly seamless. One password is not free. Bitwarden has a free version. Bitwarden makes that you know, interoperability a little bit harder, but it's also um, a good a good solution. One of the, the questions that I got when I suggested one password to somebody is, Okay, great. What's our confidence that one password isn't going to get breached at some point? You know, isn't it possible that that could happen or Bitwarden or whomever? And my response was, yeah, they could. Absolutely, they could. Um, th the problem is that there is no such thing as absolute security. Mm -hmm. You are not secure. You are either more secure or less secure, but there is no such thing as being perfectly secure. And what that means is that everything we do with respect to passwords, password management, um, you know, all the different ways that we try and maintain our personal security, we're trying to stack the deck. 
we're trying to make it less likely that we would have a problem. Uh, or put it conversely, we are make, trying to make it more likely that we won't have a problem, right? That, that things will just work and that, that our accounts will never get hacked and our stuff will never get stolen. And this is true for any account, anytime, anywhere. Any account can get hacked um, online or off. Um, any, any of our information can get hacked or stolen uh, from our mailbox to our recycle bins, to the companies we work for or work with having get, gotten hacked. Um, all we can do is stack the deck in our favor. When I take a look at the technologies being used by um, like a, a private company, like 1Password, um, they are not open source. Um, they've published a fair amount of information about you know how they do their thing and it all makes sense. It's all reasonable. Uh, and I have to place my trust in that. Uh, for other folks, Bitwarden, you know, it's open source. If you're interested in looking at the, the grungy lines of code that implement a password manager and everything behind it, by all means, go for it. Um, or have faith that a lot of people have done that and have vetted it. Um, but the bottom line is you do have to trust the, the tools that you use. And if you don't trust them, you shouldn't use them. That being said, it is still my very, very strong position that using a password manager a good one for whatever definition of good you want to settle on um, is way more secure than any of the alternatives that people have proposed to me over the years. So whenever they have an objection, even you know when they, when they talk about the cloud-based ones, which is what we're talking about here, LastPass, um, one password, Bitwarden, they all basically make synchronizing your passwords across multiple devices very easy by having a common storage point in the cloud. Um, that it enables you to be more secure than any of the other solutions. If you end up choosing some of the other solutions that people keep proposing, you're compromising either password security uh, by having to choose weaker passwords or reusing passwords, or you're compromising vault storage security by choosing some kind of technology that isn't inherently secure or is less secure than everything that these password vaults have been going through. Hmm. So... Anyway, ultimately, I'm still a uh, uh, I'm still a big believer in using a password vault. Got to do it. Uh, and uh, one password is where I've landed personally. Bitwarden is another one. And for those folks, one of the things, in a lot of ways, I feel like I have. While I have opinions, I also have empathy. And by that, I mean, you know, some people will feel that this whole cloud thing. Um, this is just an example of how the cloud thing is just a really bad idea. Uh, while I don't agree with that position, mm. I can understand that position, certainly in the light of all the extreme headlines we keep reading about every day. Mm. Um, so and there are solutions for that too, right? Um, there's, what is it, KeyPass, I think it is, that basically is a, is a password manager where the database is on your machine. You have to manage backing it up and copying it to other machines, if that's what you end up needing to do or whatever. But the bottom line is it's a solution that doesn't involve the cloud. Um, so you, like I said, I it's not a solution I recommend uh, directly. I do think that the cloud-based solutions are still the way to go. But if you have a sudden aversion to uh, storing your passwords in the cloud, then that would be an approach that, uh, that I would you know, at least have you consider. It certainly beats the heck out of an Excel spreadsheet, which is one of the other oh. things that I keep hearing people doing. Well, yeah. I mean, so, uh, yeah. What, what do you think about it all, Gary? Well, I mean, I agree with, I think, every single thing you said. 
Um, the Can aspects I quote you on that out of context. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the I guess the the things I've been dealing with is I had the unfortunate uh, timing that a week before this, I guess it, it was really kind of the second announcement from LastPass, right? They had an announcement months ago or whatever that oh they, some data but it's no problem and then there was the in, December twenty yeah, second thing yeah exactly yeah. in August so, they talked about there having been um, activity on their network yeah yeah um, and and they have since traced that back to uh, activity on their network gave the guy enough information so that he could successfully fish a LastPass employee and then using those credentials he was able to get into um, um, the last pass yeah deeper parts of the last pass network so i was it was a fortunate timing because a week before that i put out a video about how you need to be using a password manager and of course. which is fine and totally there's nothing in because i don't actually talk about specific password managers until the very end where i have one screen where i basically because i know people say when i do a video like that well which one should i use gary you know or name one yep. you know that kind of thing yep. so i put four up on the screen and I said, if you're looking for one here, and I actually researched to find the four most popular ones. So not going, because I only use one password. So I can't really say, is LastPass good? I don't, I've never even used it. So, I mean, so I put one password, LastPass, uh, Bitwarden, and there was one other one I put up there. Because I found out after looking at many sites that listed them and saw some numbers that these were the four big ones. So sure. I thought, great, if you, if you, never heard of password managers before you're watching my video and say oh no i gotta get with one here are the here are four four names to go with and so then of course that you know LastPass was one of those and then a week later there's this um so yeah that's that's kind of brought me into it a little bit um i've like what you said about people's reactions are all over the place uh you know the the deal is is that it's still extremely unlikely that your passwords are going to be compromised. And if they are anytime soon, uh, it wouldn't be likely at all if it was, wasn't was for the fact that those old vault passwords that were hashed at a lower level from years ago. Right. And they actually show you, there's a page there and they show you how to look to see whether or not that setting is there for you. So you mm -hmm. could say, oh, oh, I'm at risk or I'm not at risk. Mine is right. the 10, 100,000 times hashed, whatever. Right. Right. Um, and, and they, so that's, that's there. So you can check that. So instead of panicking, be like, ah, you can go first check that and say, oh, wait, I'm not even at risk. The second thing is that I've, I've tried to figure out how hard is it to break into the older style of hashing. And I saw like one podcast without really mentioning too much of a source, speculating that it would cost in terms of time and energy, something like $4,000 to break in to one of those old style right. vaults, right? You know? So I thought, you know, okay, but you, you got to be, you got to think about that. It's like the people that break into accounts and try to do things like compromise your Facebook page so they could show ads for a day before you shut it down, that kind of thing. Um, they're not worth, it's not worth $4,000. It's right. not to ran, break into a random account. I mean, you you put all that time and energy, you break into an account and you find it, oh, this belongs to somebody that has like an abandoned Instagram account. And there's a Facebook account here. And this, you know, there's this and that. And it's like, oh, and the bank needs two factors. So I can't get into that, you know, and all this. It's like, th there's not going to be some huge crime organization that's going to be spending tons of money trying to break into these vaults because it's so much easier to fish somebody for free. Mm -hmm. So and then there's the phishing thing. And the phishing thing, I thought, well, 
Okay, so somebody gets your name, address, other personal information, and all these accounts you belong to. But the thing is that the assumption is usually made for the accounts anyway. Somebody tries to fish you for access to you know, uh, your Citibank account or your eBay account or something like that. Um, you're just going to get that in information and assume you have one of those accounts. And if you don't, well, that's a really quick way to, you know, just shut that off. Oh, you don't have an right. eBay account? Okay, click, you know, hang up the phone. Um, so I don't think it's going to lead in. Like, I don't think these are the, going to be much better leads for phishing attackers than what they already have. You know, this database of of addresses and stuff. It's like, right. oh, right. big surprise. You have an Instagram account. So does 2 billion other people, you know. So so there's that. So it's the kind of thing where it's like, should you, if you're using LastPass, should you check to see if your your password is using the old hash? Yes. If it is using the old hash, should you be changing your passwords? Yes. But you don't need to call in, you know, take a personal day from work, right. uh, call a, an expert in and go to DEFCON 5 to, <laughs> you know, to do it. You just, you know, you have to be like, okay, there's two factor, all that. Be very careful. If somebody calls me on the phone, all this stuff. Um, yeah, so it's like I take a more moderate approach to it. It's like it's bad, but it's not. Don't don't panic. Right. Don't panic. Panic is not going to help. It's funny. One of, the, one of the about it. themes of the various articles that I've written on it now and the um, the commentary when people have asked questions, um, I don't necessarily say don't panic, although in the articles, I literally do in a couple of places is don't panic. But that's kind of like in the back of my head, because yeah. that I think is the natural reaction of a lot of people that don't really understand the technology behind it. I get that. But that's why you and I are here, right? And, and the goal here is to um, basically reassure people that yes, this is serious, but it is not a panic situation. The problem with panicking, of course, is that you make bad decisions in a panic, and that's mm -hmm. not what want what we want to have happen here. Yeah, and and unfortunately, you said like you know, you and you and I are here for that, but there are other people that seem very similar to us or are very similar to us that are telling people to panic. So right, exactly. You know, that's yeah, yeah. that's a that's a problem. I actually, uh, you know, one more point is you talked about you know being in the cloud and all that stuff, and. The, there is a, an advantage to being in the cloud that you have to always consider when it comes to security and passwords and stuff. There's also the fact that one of the biggest faults with all of this is not just you in terms of like being the victim of a phishing attack, but you in terms of like losing your passwords, you know, or losing your data that you may be mm -hmm. storing that you really need. Um, that's one of the reasons you have this it's, is to be able to have a safe place to store it where you won't lose it. It's not just to stop people from getting it. It's also right. so you will always have access to it. And the cloud gives you this you know, thing. If you've got, a, a, say, a phone, a tablet, and a computer, those three computing devices, that's it. And you, you have a password manager. It goes between all three of those. But you all, it's also in the cloud. Those three devices are compromised, which could easily happen with a fire or some right. other natural disaster yep. uh, could easily happen if you take all three of them with you on a trip and you know they're stolen. You could easily lose those things. And now it's like, oh no, I only stored my vault locally on those devices. And right. a fire could take out a backup too very easily. Yep. So, so the thing is in the cloud though, ah, 
well, all of my devices are gone, but thank goodness that critical piece of information that I put in my vault, I can now get access to once I get my new computing devices. Somebody recommended to me a another password manager, and I'm sure there's several that do this, that actually don't sync to the cloud, but sync to through your devices. So I think you give it like your Wi-Fi network, like, oh, if you're on this Wi-Fi network, then mm -hmm. freely share and update all devices with each other. So it feels like you're using a regular like cloud-based sure. solution. But That's the cool. difference being if you lose all of those, yeah. <laughs> you you do actually use your stuff. And you're thinking, oh, well, this keeps me safe. Nobody, it's my information's not there in the cloud. But that's also the problem. You don't have that other thing. And and it's and I, I'd have to think sometimes it's more likely that you make a mistake and you you know, lose the thing that the cloud might save you on. Mm -hmm. You know, I think tons of people now are not backing up properly, but they are pseudo backing up to the cloud, right? Yes, yes. You know, their phones they get and it's backing up to the cloud. They get their MacBook, it's backing up to the cloud. They don't know about backups. They don't do backups. They don't listen to us. And then they lose something and find out, oh, they're re it's rescued because they were backing up to the cloud without even knowing that they were. Right. So it's the same kind of thing here with the vault. Anyway, so you got to be careful. You got to not panic and not be so paranoid about using the cloud that you actually push it aside and get rid of its primary benefit in the case of like a vault. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Like I said, the, the the gut reactions of a lot of people, while they think they are making themselves more secure by avoiding this feature or that feature or whatever, mm -hmm. quite often it's exactly the opposite when you take a look at the entire picture. Yep. Anyway, the article yep. public, my article publishes tomorrow, goes into this in a little bit more detail and talks about um, some of the ramifications. And like I said, I've moved on to one password. Uh, sounds like you're already there, which is yeah, fine. I've been there since boy, the dawn of, I mean, I was there before the cloud. So when right, one password, right. the only option for the vault was storing it locally. Right. And now that's not even an option with their latest, yeah. latest offering. They don't, they don't have that anymore. I've, I've actually been pretty happy with it. Um, setting it up is a little bit more difficult mm. um, than LastPass, but um, uh, it's, it's actually Pretty good. And I, I like I said, it, it's it, the user interface feels a little bit better too. It's not quite as annoying as some of the last past changes that have been made recently. Anyway, that's where we're yeah. at. Cool. So um, CES, Consumer Electronics Show, has yeah. been going on in Las Vegas. I know that you and I in years past have occasionally attended. Not me. Okay. I've never been. You've never been to CES? No. Oh. I've been to, I, I went to the game side of things. I was at uh, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, E3, Game Developers Conference, and then, of course, several Apple-oriented ones, but right. never went to CES. I couldn't imagine, uh, I don't know, it's just, it seemed like <laughs> an ordeal of <laughs> to go, I mean, you know. CES is interesting. I've been there a couple of times, and, and it's... Um, it's quite the crowd. Um, it is absolutely um, uh, Las Vegas at its finest for some definition of finest. <laughs> the uh, it, well, What cracked me up is that I don't know if it's every year, but one year CES actually overlapped with the um, adult entertainment um, equivalent conference. Um, and that meant for walking through some interesting, interesting displays at casinos. <laughs> the... Um, this year, though, I take a look at the news coming out of Las Vegas, and and my biggest reaction is, eh, 
it's like there there's it's kind of underwhelming i mean there's there's stuff that's always there has been for every every ces since it started right the uh-huh. the latest and greatest tvs that you may never actually see in your home um the latest and greatest cars that you will never be able to drive um you know random gadgets that you know on one hand um sound really cool but again you never actually end up seeing them in the war in the real world some of them don't sound cool they just sound outlandish i was reading about one here just a few minutes before we started recording about some kind of a um uh, an iot toilet i guess would be the best way to put it sure <laughs> exactly <laughs> why not um you know hands-free cleaning uh with alexa built in for some reason alexa of course <laughs> of course yes and that just um oh i woke up mine anyway oh. the the, <laughs> the uh it's it's just there's just not a whole lot going on so far honestly the most exciting thing that i've seen that that um, would would actually directly impact me and people, um, you know, in our in our circles. Um, doesn't even seem like a CES thing at all. It just seems like a very coincidentally timed PR stunt. And that, that is that Delta is going Delta Airlines is going to be offering mm-hmm. its Sky, SkyMile members free Wi-Fi on most domestic flights. Which you know, okay, that's kind of cool. I like that. Um, I have you know paid for Wi-Fi in the past, but it'd be nice not to have to. Um, but that's yeah. that's like I said, that's like my bottom line for CES, which means that it's a pretty boring CES from this perspective. How about you? Have you looked at any of the? CES? No, I really have not been paying too much attention. I mean, some of the headlines have flashed up in front of my face and it hasn't really been that interesting. I see there's a lot about VR goggles and stuff, but I mean, that's been for years now. Um, and, you know, about the the Wi-Fi on the planes, I've, I've often considered, you know, United ha- to have free Wi-Fi for a while now but they don't but what they do have is you can use miles to get wi-fi interesting i hate airline miles and i know this is a controversial thing i probably shouldn't <laughs> say this but i hate airline miles and i know there's people that it's like a whole religion to them is airline miles is just getting right. those miles using those miles all the tricks i uh you know i never ever fly somewhere because of a convenience i'm always like this is where i want to go and this is when i want to go and right. now what's the best deal? And that often ends up uh, meaning that I can't use my miles because it happens to be some blocked off times or that if I, I can use my miles, but not for the flight I wanted. No, right. you're going to have to change planes, buddy. You know, and I'll be like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's not that's no good. So and then miles, you know, various different times, miles expire, miles do weird things. I hate them. I hate them. So every once in a while, like when I see like you can do something else with miles. I'll just be like, yeah, it's like funny. It's like monopoly money. I don't care. So when United started <laughs> saying you could just use miles to buy Wi-Fi, and it's usually about the same or less miles than you're actually getting on that flight to get Wi-Fi. Interesting. Okay. So you're basically saying, I don't don't give me miles, just give me Wi-Fi. Give me Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, in a in a way. And so whenever I fly United, I'm like, yeah, I get I get free Wi-Fi. And then now I get that apparently on Delta, or I will at some point. Right. So right. That's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've I've I don't fly enough for miles to have any meaning to me, is what it really boils down. Um, I, you know, I get on an airplane, you know, maybe once or twice a year. Um, you know, take a take a uh, an airplane trip. Uh, and like you, it's like, okay, no, I, I'm not, 
I'm not arranging my life according to the miles. I'm arranging my life according to what I want to do. And the miles just happen to show up. Well, mm -hmm. okay, fine, whatever. Um, I, the only thing that I did do is that I, um, one of the reasons I have an American Express card of all things for this stuff um, is that I get points. Mm. It's kind of like how I- Different, I, different type of points though. Th they are, but- same thing it's it's kind of the same thing except um i end up using those points uh to pay for my uh pay for my tickets pay for my airline tickets. yeah sure so, i've done that i've done that because it's like those upgrade, points are right? those points are cash equivalent that's the thing the credit card points you could get the penny per point or whatever whatever it is whatever, yeah. whatever it is uh and you could use it to you could either use it to buy like through american express travel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or you could just use it to pay your, you know, your bill or right. whatever. Uh, yeah, and, and the Apple Card does the same thing. The credit, but you know, the mile, the airline miles. Eh, I know there are tricks. There are tricks to if you really wanted to convert it to money or Minecraft coins or whatever it is. I was say there to. are things you could do with miles that that you can. Yeah. I mean, you know, the discount is horrid, right? Compared yeah. to some of the other things you could do. Um, but yeah, there are definitely some things you could do with miles that turn into the same thing. I, I think my other problem with miles is, of course, they're fractured over all the airlines. And I was not, you know, I just never, I've never been in a situation where it's been like, this is my airline. They fly right. to the three places I want to go and I never right. need to fly another airline. It's never happened yep. to me anywhere yep. I've lived, anywhere I've needed to go. And I'm not going to compromise and take the two-stop flight instead of the direct flight or whatever it is. Just well, yeah, and, and, and you live in Denver, right? Well, you're a hub for like a I'm a of hub for United and, and, and at least a couple of others. Eh, Frontier, so not really. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, here in Seattle, yeah. right? This is this is the Alaska, Alaska Airlines home home base, and and absolutely, I try and fly Alaska whenever I can, but they don't go everywhere I want to go. They didn't take me to the Netherlands <laughs> last year, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's, you're right. It is tough. And that's one of the reasons I actually like the, uh, the credit card approach, because that way, you know, you use the credit card where you use the credit card and uh, your points come in that way. But yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, Wi-Fi on flights. And I, I absolutely paid money, real money for Wi-Fi on the international flight. Yeah, because I was going to be sitting in a seat for eight hours, and I wanted to be connected, <laughs> yeah. and it and it worked. So sure, totally worth it. Uh, let's see. So one of the other topics I'm sure at AI, and I think it's or at, at AI at CES that um, has also been beaten to death in the press for the past couple of months is, of course, AI, uh, Chat GPT, etc. And I ran into this um, this headline I think yesterday. Microsoft is reportedly looking to embed OpenAI's Chat GPT into Word, PowerPoint, and Outlook, hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting it um it mimics some of the products that are actually out there right now there are a couple of online word processors that are using chat gpt like ai to help you write basically let you uh, you know you write a sentence or you begin a sentence in your document mm -hmm. and then you can indicate okay you know give me some ideas for what to write next or just write whatever should come next and yeah. then edit, edit the heck out of it so that has some interesting application what i didn't see in that article but i have heard elsewhere is that there are rumors that microsoft is planning on using open ai technology and presumably chat gpt in bing and my my initial reaction to that was Okay, that's kind of cool. Everybody's mm -hmm. wanting to use Chat GPT as kind of a search engine, kind of a kind of a give me an answer engine. 
And of course, it's um, uh, mixed results would be the, mm. the polite way to put it. Um, the, the approach, I mean, we talked about this, I think a couple of weeks ago already. One of the issues with chat GPT right now is that um, it is very confident and often very <laughs> wrong. Yeah. And when you put that into a search engine, that starts to get kind of scary. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what Microsoft does, if they do this at all, to mitigate the uh, the current um, confidently wrong results that we get from chat GPT. Yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to playing with it for sure. I, I think, I, I mean, I'm I'm really interested to see what the uh, true marriage between a search engine and a chat bot like that would be because um, I, I'd love to go beyond the list of search results kind of thing. Like you, you, you type something in, you get a list and the first page is going to give you a definition of what it is you search for. The second page is a how-to the third is commentary. You know, there's all these different things. And having something that's more of a chat-based uh, search could make that clearer what these things are. Like instead of saying, give me a list of 10 pages based on this term, you could say, you could say I want to know about this. And the results could be like, here's you know, the Wikipedia page that has a lot of historical background. Here's how to use this technique to do this. And here's another page, you know, and so it could actually give you more real results instead of just a list of pages <laughs> you know uh so it could be i i see why microsoft wants that for bing because i mean they need some if they're going to keep doing bing they need something to like push it forward right and that sure. could be sure the key is you know maybe search engines could be on that It'd be interesting to see how that affects SEO. I mean, is you know, SEO is like this thing of getting into that list and how high could you get up that list? But what happens when it's just a, a an AI telling you information that happens to include links? That's kind of, well, it may not. I mean, that's kind of what Google has come under fire for in recent years as well, is that so often when you ask a question of the search engine, when you search for something, um, it's more than just pointing you at the search results at a list of other sites. It's actually providing information. Yeah. Um, and the, the issue, of course, is that that information has been scraped from those sites that it's pointing you at and presented in some kind of a, uh, um, you know, consumable form. Uh, I'm wondering if, if we go to a, um, an AI or a chat AI type uh, solution, if, I mean, do links remain at all? Um, or is it like a uh, uh, somewhat more, to use the scholarly metaphor, you know, is there like an abstract, um, a bit of paperwork mm -hmm. that says, you know, here's, here's your answer in like three or four paragraphs as chat GPT likes to do. But then here's a list of citations, right? Which actually would be kind of cool, except that nobody clicks on the citations. Right. right. Well, um, it could be in between, you know, it could be, it, 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 it would just be, it would just be good. Maybe if it just brought some context to the results or asked you for more information, because right now, right. Somebody searches for something and they're not good at searching. We all know, like you yes. and I know how there's, it, there's definitely difference people. There's those people in our lives that it seems like they could be in front of Google all day and they could not find what it is they're looking for. And then right. like you or I could sit down and type one thing and right. they'll be like, oh, I never thought of that. And yep. it's like search drill number one is what you're looking for. You know, but a, a chat bot could uh, help with that. 
you know, you, you type a search term and it goes and says, well, what do you mean? Do you mean this or this? Right. You know, and you're like, right. oh, I mean this. And they're like, oh, okay, then I do have this some results for you. You know, right. and that could that could be where a chat AI goes and it is superior to a traditional search engine. The other and thing still I was be wondering, links. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be nice. I mean, obviously, as content producers with sites of our own, we have a very we have a vested interest in there being links and search results. Yeah. Um, it changes our business model fairly dramatically if that kind of goes away. Yeah. Um, it, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, you and I are both. Um, you know, uh, we're we're, we're we're algorithm. You and I have moved into the algorithm based world with our videos and things. Where there's that. Yeah. So we are so you, definitely. You know yeah. Build, I mean, nobody, we're building alternative streams or alternative pillars for our business. And, you know, there's the patronage yeah. model and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is that um, you and I both started, especially yes. in search. And Absolutely. That's, that's how people found us to begin with. And honestly, how a lot of people still find Ask Leo. Um, what I was wondering about is, you know, if this, if, if we actually switch search, be it Bing or anybody else, to a conversational model rather mm -hmm. than the um, declarative model, I guess I would call it, where you have a word or a phrase, and it's either, you know, a, you get results on that, and that's it. Um, the conversational model that you just outlined, I wonder if that will slowly improve people's ability to ask the right question first. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't see why not. It I'm, I'm hopeful that it would actually, I'm hopeful that it would, um, because there's very, there's precious little feedback on our current search results that says, um, this is how your question really mapped to the search results that I'm providing you. Whereas with a, a chat um, or an interactive approach, there's this opportunity to say, well, you know, what you said could be interpreted in any of three different ways. Here's one way, here's the other way, here's the other way. Which one did you mean? You know, the questions that you were just mentioning. Um, it might be nice if that actually turned into a feedback loop for or, people. Or, or even just being, you know, the, the thing about uh, chat AIs is that they remember the conversation and beyond that, they should remember like your whole account, right? So one person searching for something, say living in the Pacific Northwest and another person searching for something, say in Colorado, Right. You know, or maybe just the things we should maybe even because I search for solutions in certain programming languages, it eventually gets to know that. And when right. I ask for something, it's like, oh, you mean in this programming language, you know, instead of throwing something else. Oh, here's the solution in Ruby. I'm like, oh, I don't need it in Ruby. And let me right. clarify, you know, but it'll be interesting if like it just knew me and it's just, oh, no, no, it's Gary. He wants this in Python or whatever. Right, um, right. And or and apply that to anything. I mean, it's somebody who's looking for a pattern, uh, needlepoint or uh, not uh, crochet or um, what's the other one? Uh, Acrobat. <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> uh, not needlepoint, but you know when you you stitch stuff together. Anyway, uh, and it just gets to know, right? Like, oh, that's the stuff you search for. That's what you're interested in. That's what you do. I'm going to give you this type of pattern. Right. Um, not a needlepoint pattern, but a crochet pattern or whatever. Um, right. Yeah, and, and that could help a lot without you even realizing it, right? Yeah. You could just think that, hey, this is great. You know, it, it finds what I want right away. And it's like, yeah, it finds it because it is, you know, it's learning 
from in theory what though you're google's saying. been doing that for years already right it, yeah but i don't think so <laughs> i i know i mean cuz it, it, it boy it definitely shows me stuff all the time that it's like no that's not what i'm looking for Right. I have to tell you, you know, I, I don't even think about it like, oh, you should know that I'm looking for it in this programming language or whatever. I just take it for granted that I have to be more specific, but it mm -hmm. would be interesting. Another advantage of having this kind of uh, this kind of situation, you know, with a chat AI search engine rather than a plain, you know, <laughs> search engine. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I definitely think I definitely think there's something there. And I definitely think it's the future of something like search engines the future of searching for stuff online maybe it's not the future of search engines maybe it's the successor to search engines okay yeah you know that makes saying? sense you know okay. we still have oh yeah you want to just do a search and get a list of stuff we still have that but we also have this thing where it's just a prompt and you could just talk to it it's funny i have this vision of yeah you know google yeah that's what old people use the rest of us we're using uh you know this chat app on our phone that answers all our questions in real time and mimics being a, a person we're chatting with. Yeah, it's just somebody, it's just, you know, Google will just come up with this and they change it to something because you'd be asking. So you like ask and then like a name of somebody that would be like a butler or something like ask Jeeves or something like that. And that would be the search engine. <laughs> <laughs> and we've come full circle. We've come full so circle. We just need Hotbot and uh, cover over some of the other early ones. There's so many. Alta oh, Vista. search engines? Yeah. Right, like Lycos, Yahoo, actually. I like, like uh, Yahoo turned out as a, a more of a directory than a search engine initially, yeah. but yes. Anyway, Ugh. so you've got some, you've got an app coming out. Uh, it's out, actually. Um, so I'll probably talk about it more in future episodes because it's interesting because it's, you know, I'm a coder. That's what I really am, right? I got mm -hmm. into all this teaching people how to use computer stuff. So I, it's funny that I've never really come out with a, a Mac app like i've done things as mac apps like courses as mac apps that kind of thing games as mac apps but like a utility for the mac this is my first so it's basically um i started off with the idea that i wanted a simpler clipboard manager um that didn't have all this other junk that got in the way um just wanted it to be real quick and simple and then I started to be like, oh, you know, you could do interesting things. If you have the text that's selected, you could do stuff with that text. And, and I started developing these little features around it. So some of the simpler ones to understand are, for instance, uh, number to words. So, you know, 111, okay. you know, mm -hmm. 111 turns into 111, you know, uh, right. spelled out. Um, I, uh, th things like headline case, you know, oh, you, it's easy to capitalize every word that you have selected, but then you end up with like, and, and a, and everything yep. capitalized. But what if you follow the rules for most style guides for capitalizing headlines? That's right. what I really need. So, okay. I developed that. Um, and then I started doing things like, well, what if you selected one plus one and then just had a thing that would change one plus one to two? right or parentheses five plus three close parentheses times two selected that and that had a function that changed that to a 16. you know that kind of thing like calculate in place uh and then i started coming up all sorts of other things and just made it this weird clipboard manager tool there's even a thing in there called smart clips where you can uh 
like put something like hello and then a variable and then exclamation point. And then when you uh, try to paste that in, it actually prompts you for that variable. So then I could type Leo and then the paste is hello, Leo, exclamation point. <laughs> and you could have a bunch of those in the same smart clip. And then even things like dates or pick from a list of five options or pick a random thing or take the last thing you copied or the second to last thing you copied and create these smart clips and do all these just weird things with, um, with text. Yeah, you probably know like lorem ipsum, right? You know, sample sure. text. I've got, you know, a generator for that in there and previously, that was a whole other app that I had just to do that. And now I could do it inside. It's just one little function. Um, I even have a weird thing called stacks where you could select, say, a number and add it to the stack and select another number, add that to the stack, and then do that for a bunch. And then look, and you would see that how many do you have? What's the sum? What's the uh, the mean, the median, the mode? You know, paste any, any of those things. Um, all sorts of stuff like you could copy it kind of kind of feels like you're incrementally redeveloping excel <laughs> yeah but it just has a little menu it's just a menu bar thing so it's just in the top menu bar it's just right. this thing you bring down uh you could do uh stuff like when you copy you, i could copy like what thing one thing two and thing three and then go and then paste all three of those together so, because I run into this all the time where I have to grab like a name from here and then a right. URL from here and something else yes. from there. And it's like, oh, now they're all in the clipboard manager. So I have to go and select the first one. No, it's like just paste them all at once. Um, so I just kept throwing more and more ideas for things into this tool called Clip Tools. And it's in the uh, Mac App Store. I beta tested it for a year uh, wow. you know, with, a, with a group of beta, just because I wasn't in a rush. And <laughs> clearly <laughs> I wasn't in a rush and it actually changed a lot. Like one of the things when I started off, one of the major features was a kind of a timer. Like you could just go and select a little thing and then start like a 15 minute timer or five minute timer and have multiple timers and all this, something that was like very much needed on the Mac. But then Apple released Mac OS Ventura with a clock app and timers. <laughs> so I just removed the whole timer thing from it. Right. I was like, all right, I'm not going to put this in there as like a slight variation on what Apple already offers. Right. So anyway, it's free. And I am just basically putting it up there as like, you know, I mean, my Mac most stuff is mostly free and, you know, I get Patreon supporters, for instance. Um, so this is another thing. If somebody really likes this, they could support Mac most on Patreon. Um you know, maybe, or maybe discover Mac most because they discovered sure. clip yeah. tools. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, and maybe in the future, I'll talk more about the development process or. I'm very um, interested in that various aspects of it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go in uh, uh, remote desktop to the Mac in my basement and install it and poke around. Yeah. I'll put a, uh, I'll include a link with this episode. You could check out the links in this episode, Leo. Hey, what a concept. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. So that's actually pretty cool. But to move on to our usual ain't it cool segment, um, I ended up. Did you ever watch Willow, the movie? I think I may have seen it when it, the original one you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. yes I think I may have back, seen it when it originally came out. I can't. 1980s, it didn't leave 1970s, a big impression. Something yeah. like. Um, we never did. Um, so with the uh, release of the new Willow limited series on Disney Plus, we ended up uh, looking at the movie first to set things up properly. 
And uh, that actually was kind of fun. It has a very, uh, it feels a lot like Star Wars. And I don't necessarily mean that in the storytelling, but just in the, 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 I want to put it, the presentation, the sets, um, the kind the, you know, the, the extent of special effects that mm. there were at the time. Um, it's a Lucasfilm thing, right? It's it, George Lucas actually uh, originated Willow as well. Uh, and there's, I'm sure, some crossover between, uh, you know, actors and actresses on the set. But um, it was kind of fun. So we've been watching the limited series, uh, which I think the final episode releases uh, tomorrow. Uh, but um, it, it's just been fun. It's been kind of cool. And it's been fun to watch these characters. They definitely did bring back like three or four characters from the movie. Uh, you know, obviously everybody's aged about 30 or 40 years. And it's been kind of interesting to see everybody interact and, and watch the story progress. So Willow currently on Disney plus. Cool. Um, I'm currently in the middle of reading a book called Simulus Speculation. It's written by Quentin Tarantino. And um, he basically wrote kind of an academic book uh, about movies, uh, particularly the movies he saw when he was a kid in the 70s. Um, and uh, it's fascinating stuff. Obviously, he loves movies and loves a particular type of movie in the 70s, exploitation films. And he knows a lot about them and apparently did even more research for this book. Um, so you hear about like all sorts of interesting stories about how movies like, say, Bullet with Steve McQueen you know, were made. Mm -hmm. And what what was some of the things you may have missed when you, you know, saw the movie and and how did it fit in with Hollywood and what other films were being made and all of that? It's fascinating. I love hearing kind of, you know, these kind of things about how movies were made and um and there's of course so much written about hollywood before that you know the movies of the 30s and 40s and 50s and stuff right. and and then i kind of lived you know growing up with the movies of the 80s and and beyond but this era you know there's just i just haven't come across that much about these kinds of films and the filmmakers and actors behind them um so i'm finding it a, a fascinating read Cool. Cool. Uh, let's see. Blatant self-promotion, the closest thing we have to advertisement on this on this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, the article I'm going to post is the obvious one. It's Last Pass Breach 2022, my recommendation. Um, as we're recording this, it's actually publishing tomorrow. So by the time you um, hear this podcast, it should be available. It's askleo.com slash 152279. It is going to go into everything we discussed earlier about LastPass, the breach, what I think you should do, how I think you should do it, um, and more. Cool. Uh, I've got a video uh, that is about whether or not you should have, or whether or not you need the Microsoft Office apps on your Mac, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, uh, primarily, because Apple, of course, has their own Pages, Numbers, Keynote. Um, and I get asked this all the time. Do I need the Office apps or mm -hmm. whatever? Or And I have people also that use the Office apps without even realizing that Apple has their own apps. Right. There, There is no simple answer, of course. I was going to say, the answer is very simple. It depends. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> um, but, you know, I kind of break it down uh, as, you know, maybe helpfully hoping hoping to help people make their decision if right. they're trying to figure out whether they need to pay for 
that because of course the office apps cost something either a subscription or you have to yep. buy do a one-time payment yep yep it sounds very familiar uh to me because the answer the question that i get asked all the time of course is do i need microsoft office or can i do the same thing with LibreOffice or open office or yeah. those kinds of you know those kinds of equivalents and the answer as i'm sure is yours is it depends depends on on a bunch of different things mm -hmm. i think that pretty much will wrap us up for another week as always, the show notes are over at tehpodcast.com slash teh181. If you've got a comment or a question for us, leave it there. We'll see it. Thanks, as always, for listening. And we will see you here again real soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.